Greetings, friends and family. I hope this finds you well on this Sunday, May the 17th. It is the fifth week of Easter. And we're looking at the Gospel of John and going through some selected passages and verses in John um, on Jesus's reminder to his disciples before he went to the cross, looking backwards so that we know how to look forwards, looking at the promises that Jesus gave us in the Gospel of John. So today we look at John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. So listen as I read, reading from the NIV, John 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Today we want to talk about knowing and reflecting Jesus. Remember the day when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the people couldn't bear to look at Moses because they saw the reflection of God's glory in his face? It's, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 34, beginning with verse 29. When, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. I hope and pray that it might be that way with every one of us. We have seen God we, in the face of Jesus and we have known his mercy and his grace. We, we've bathed in the warmth of his love. We've gloried in the assurance we have in our eternal salvation. We, we've been to the cross and we've been to the empty tomb and we eagerly await for his return. And so it leads to some questions. Can people see that we've been there? Do they know we belong to Jesus? Can they read it in our faces and in our very lives? Can people see Jesus in our face? Of the many, I think here are two ways that they can. First of all, because we know the love of God in Christ. Why was Jesus willing to go to the cross to save us? It, it might seem like a silly question. We know why Jesus died for us. He died for us because he loved us. But that only brings up another question. Why did Jesus love us? Why would he come become emotionally attached to people who 
hung him out to dry, and fled. Lied about him in court, spit in his face, crowned him with thorns, nailed him to a cross, and then dared him to come down. Why would someone so perfect love people so sinful as you and I? I think our scripture this morning gives us an answer to that question. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. If we ever read psychological profiles of people who are in prison for repeated crimes or who are perhaps on death row, they are sometimes described psychologically as incapable of love. You know, perhaps because they grew up in a family where there was no love shown between a mother and a father and between the parents and children, they, they never learned how to express and to show their love. They, they became incapable of love. If people who grow up without love are incapable of it, well, then the opposite must also be true. People who grow up in an environment where there's lots of love are also capable for lots of love. For all of eternity, before the world was created, for all of the timelessness of heaven, God the Father loved God the Son and the family of the Trinity. There was never a moment in, in all those eons of time when God did not, when God the Father did not love the Son. So, so how do we explain the hours on the cross when, when God punished Jesus for the sins of the world? Well, it, it had to be. There, there was no other way for mankind to be saved. It would take the life of his one and only son, Jesus. It would take those moments in hell to atone for the sins of every generation that ever lived or would live. So God let, let go of his son, so to speak, not because he stopped loving him, but because he, it had to be. There had to be a penalty. And God was the only person that could pay the debt. So do we realize that the necessity for which God made his son suffer was for you and for me? I, I don't know if I can say or we can say that God for that moment loved us more than his own son. I, I don't know if we can say that for that moment God loved us as much as his own son. But, but we can say with confidence that God, who did not spare his own son because of the necessity of saving us, certainly has loved us from eternity and will love us to eternity. We all have that kind of love, whether we know it or not. Whether we ever acknowledge it or not, Christ died once for all, all capital A, capital L, capital L. So we have been given the opportunity to share this truth with the world, beginning right here where we are today. Now remain in my love. If, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You're my, you're my friends if you do what I command. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. This is how we know that God loves us, because God the Son laid down his life for us. Do people see Jesus in our face because they see the confidence we have in God's love as a child of God. When we suffer hardship, we can say, I know that whatever happens to me, God still loves me. He, he can never stop loving me. 
when we're worried about something, we can still say, but, but I, know that, I know that Jesus is watching over me and I'm safe in his hands. What testimony we can give for the Lord by showing confidence in God's love. Those who have experienced great love are capable of great love. It isn't always easy for people to see our faith because our faith is in our hearts. It is easy for people to see the love which reflected from God's heart and through our lives. It's easy for people to see that the whole world is on fire. And we, well, they can see us throwing water instead of gasoline. Do they see us not engaging when provoked? Not throwing gasoline on the fire. Can people see Jesus in our face? Can people see Jesus in our face? Well, they can because, first of all, because we know the love of God in Christ. And secondly, because we reflect the love of Christ. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. What is it about a love that finds its reason and its pattern in Jesus that makes it so different and noticeable? Maybe it's because a Christ-like love goes farther than any other love. You see, Christ's love compels and commands us to go to outsiders. Outsiders. I want you to think back with me to elementary school. Remember elementary school? Perhaps for for most of us, it was our first encounter with, quote-unquote, the outsiders, the nobodies. There's always someone in every class that gets the nobody treatment. The person that everyone picks on. The person that no one sits beside at lunch. They are outsiders. But, but the new creation in us, the Christ-like part of us, sees the loneliness, feels the pain. It's not such a big thing to be a friend to someone who doesn't have any friends. Yet it is the Christ-like, the Jesus-like thing to do. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. But instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. Think about that. Remember the Samaritan woman. Here was the town's version of the person they considered the the nobody, the outsider in town. She, She wasn't a good woman, mind you, by most social standards. She'd been married five times, and the man she was with was, was not her husband. She, she was out there at the well in the heat of day, getting her water when no one else did. You see, outsiders tend to do that. If you avoid the crowd, you won't feel like you were treated like a nobody, like an outsider. It wasn't hard to ignore this man by the well because he was a Jew, and, and well, Jews never talk to Samaritans. Only this one did. But not only did he talk to her, he he said things to her that no one else had ever said. That, That day, she went home a believer in God's love because she was loved by the man at the well who said he came in God's name. When we treat marginalized persons or any person for that matter, like they are somebody, when we don't just look past them as if they don't exist, when we offer water instead of gasoline, we are reflecting God's love from our face to theirs. They are created in the image of the holy God. There's another aspect of this Christ-like love that stands out. 
Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, people who love as Christ loved them do it with the same attitude that Jesus had. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus did what he did for us with joy. He was glad to do it. When we show kindness to people in the world, to to the outsiders, we are to do it with joy. We're to have fun doing it. We are to do it not because we have to, but because we want to. So do people see Jesus in our face because of the loving things that we do every day and for the joyful way that we do them? Sometimes, we listen to our, our sinful nature, to the old self, and we become selfish and, and uncaring, and, and no one sees the love of Christ reflect in our life. We aren't perfect. We won't be this side of, of being in God's presence in heaven. But even here, people can see Christ in our faces, for we do not make excuses. We simply make confession. And the confession that we make, we we receive forgiveness. And with the forgiveness, we receive strength and joy to live and to love again today. More Christ-like, more joyfully than yesterday. So may we always, may we remain confident in His love. And may we strive to reflect His love. And may people see Jesus in our face. I want to close with 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And friends, until we are together again, may God hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. And God bless.